0: As I said earlier, I appreciate very much the elders asking me to come and to be a part of this series of studies, uh, to be back with you again. I've been here several times through the years, and I always enjoy coming. I certainly always enjoy spending some time with uh, uh, Greg and Cindy. Uh, he actually was the one that got me got me started doing overseas work, and uh, my mom never did forgive him the whole time she was living. So. <clears throat> I'm her baby, by the way. I'm only 70, so, uh, you know, but, uh, I guess you never outgrow that, that term when, when you, uh, with your mom, at least. She really wasn't upset with Greg. She just wanted him to think that. So, uh, <laughs> but, uh, I, I enjoyed spending time overseas with Greg, and it was a, it was a joy. Uh, it was, uh, troubling sometimes and hard and difficult sometimes, but, the, the reward of being able to share the gospel with somebody halfway around the world was worth every effort that we we put forward. He and I were studying with a guy by the name of Alexander uh, in Podols, just south of Moscow. We were studying with him several hours a day. Greg would have him, I don't know, three or four hours. i had have him three or four hours. and And then one day we decided we would take him out to a little village in the country and give him some hands-on experience of how to Invite and encourage people to come. And uh, so we spent most of the day out in a little village and came back in. And uh, we were, had a dinner appointment later that night. And so we destop, decided to stop at a little store. And uh, it was a kind of a little western store and get something to eat quickly. And uh, so we got a pizza. And uh, that was a major mistake. And uh, he and I both were sick. And, uh, oh, and we had a dinner appointment uh, later that night and had to go eat again and uh... it was all we could do to keep what we ate down much less something else and i never did quite forgive greg for this she had poroski in the center of the table Poroski can have anything in it greg got the two smallest ones out there and left me i had to get the bigger ones and so uh, uh... But we only could eat two, one one of each kind, So, and it was all we could do to get that down. But anyway, what what an experience, but uh, I I enjoyed that uh, so much. I want to talk to you for just a little bit this morning of what was read to us in Acts the 16th chapter, verses 25 through verses 28. And I want you to notice the expression that's used within this text where it says, do yourself no harm, as we look at this together. I'm not going to read this again. Uh, Josh has already, already read it. But I want you to look at this little expression here. It says, do yourself no harm. That's not on for some reason. I can see it. You can't see it, though. <laughs> I guess that's the most important thing that I can see. Ah, oh, there we go. We got it. But look at that little expression, do yourself no harm. Now, we understand what this man was about to do. He was about to commit suicide. And really the reason that he was about to commit suicide is because, according to my understanding, if any prisoner escaped under the uh, as one was guarding those prisoners, then they well could lose their lives and could be a terrible end to, the, to their life here. And so here's a man that he realizes that. He thinks that the prisoners have escaped, but yet Paul says, no, do yourself no harm. We're all still here. Do yourself no harm. Have you ever heard the expression, cutting off your nose in spite of your face? you ever heard that expression? Do you think sometimes we may do that? I'm afraid sometimes that we may be guilty of that, whether we realize it or not. And that's really what I want to talk to you just a little bit about this morning. And that is the ideal of making sure that we don't do ourselves any harm. Because the choices that we make in life and the things that we either do or don't do can be very detrimental to us. And actually it can cause us to lose our souls because of the choices that we make in life. Isn't it is a wonderful thing that the Bible tells us that we're made in the image of God? But as we're made in the image of God, that He's made us creatures of choice and you and I can choose. We can choose what we do in life. We can choose whether or not we accept Him or not, obey Him or not. And really the choice is ours. And so let me suggest some things to you. You know, those that are living in sin, do you know who they're harming? You know, you're not harming me if you're living in sin. No, if I'm living in sin, I'm harming myself. But if you're living in sin, the person you're harming is yourself. You know, the Bible clearly points this out. You know, sinful practices may harm one physically. We understand that, don't we? I remember holding a meeting, and I've held several through the years, in Donovan, Missouri. Uh, Hope is here, I think. I saw her a little earlier. Uh, Hope's grandparents live in Donovan, Missouri. But there's a man there who smoked his whole life, and he told me, he gave me permission to use him As an example, he smoked his whole life. He has COPD. His wife would pull up in front of the building and let him out. And it was a short distance from the awning where they would let him out to come inside the church building. And he would have to stop inside the doors and catch his breath before he could walk on in and get in a pew. Now, who did he harm by smoking all of his life? Did it hurt you? No, it didn't hurt us. did it? But it hurt him. You know, one of the things that we can look at in Proverbs 23, verses 29 through 30, who said, who has woes, who has sorrows, who has contentions, who has complaints, who has wounds without cause, wounds without cause, who has redness of eyes, those who linger long at the wine and those who go in search of mixed wine." The alcoholic, who does he hurt? Hurts himself. That's who he hurts. Oh, I understand he hurts others around him as well. But the person that he does the greatest damage to, physically at least, is obviously himself. And he can affect them and affect others by the choices that he makes in life. I understand that. But physically speaking. Do you realize that an estimate 95,000 people... Approximately 68,000 men and 27,000 women die from alcohol-related causes annually, making alcohol the third leading preventable cause of death in the United States. The first is tobacco, and the second is poor diet and physical inactivity. Do you know what all three of these tell us? All three of these are preventable. All three of them. The three leading causes of death in the United States. 75,000 people die each year from drug overdose. 75,000 people. In our society this day and time, what has been the leading concern of people dying right now? COVID? And yet look what causes more deaths, obviously, than name COVID. But sinful practices harm one physically. We can see that. We understand that. <clears throat> sinful living can fill the conscience with guilt. Back in the psalm, in Psalms 51, most everybody believed, and of course, A lot of your Bibles and your heading of your Bible will have that this is actually David's sin that he committed with Bathsheba. And David says this, have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is always before me. Always before me. Guilty conscience? Yeah. As you look back on your life, have you ever done anything that you regret that you did? And if other people knew that, you'd be extremely ashamed of what you thought, what you said, or what you've done. It's kind of the nature of sin, isn't it? Fills the conscience with guilt. I met a lady when I was living in Nashville who had an abortion when she was young. She got pregnant out of wedlock. She goes off and she has an abortion. Kills a baby. that actually ate her up from the inside her entire life. And you might say, well, rightly so. Still didn't change the fact, though, did it, of what sin can do. And how sinful living can eat you up alive from the inside. So though I may sin and maybe nobody else knows about it, but I know about it and God knows about it. And so really the person that I'm harming is myself because I am guilt-ridden because of what I have done, what I've either said, thought, or done, or maybe even not done as well. So the person that I'm hurting is myself. You know, and such can really cause us to forfeit eternal life. That's the great tragedy of seeing people that have had opportunity to obey the gospel of Jesus Christ and they've refused to do so. Or maybe those that have obeyed the gospel and have turned away and gone back into the ways of the world. In Galatians 5, 19 21, he said, Now the works of the flesh are evident which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, all sexual sin." Idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contention, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries and the like. Anything like that? That's a violation of God's law. He said of which I tell you beforehand, just as I've also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Will not inherit the kingdom. I know Greg has done this just like I have and probably numbers of times through the years that people call upon you to preach somebody's funeral that you know that they were not faithful as far as their service to the Lord. What are you going to say to, to the family? What you do is warn the family. That's what you do, isn't it? And you warn those in heard a preacher one time, I was sitting in the audience listening to this fellow preach this man's funeral. This man never darkened the door of any church building his entire life. As far as I know, he never read the Bible. I don't even know that he believed that there was a God. And the preacher got up and said, oh, if he attended church services, he would sit on the back pew. He said, oh, if he read the Bible, he said he would read the Cowboys Bible. And everything he said, he did that to comfort the family, to make the family think that this man was okay and he was going home to heaven when life was over. What a tragedy. I went to the family after that service and I told the family, I said, you know everything that he said was a lie, don't you? And they said, really? I said, yeah. I said, here's a guy that never never attended a church service as far as I know in his entire life. He certainly never rendered obedience to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you live in sin and practice sin, i tell you where you're going to spend eternity. You're going to spend eternity in the fires of hell. That's not very popular today. But that's just the truth of the matter. And so the person that I'm really hurting and harming when I'm living in sin is myself. I'm afraid sometimes people think, well, I'll get even with them. I won't attend there anymore. No, you're not getting even with them. You're hurting yourself. That's how you're hurting. So do yourself no harm. Stop living in sin. Because you're the one that's being hurt by your choices in life. But let me suggest something else to you. What about those who refuse to obey the gospel of Jesus Christ? Who are they hurting? Well, they're really hurting themselves. You know, the gospel is God's power to save. I told you in the previous lesson I'd get back to this, in this lesson. Paul said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, The just shall live by faith. And, of course, the latter part of that, The just shall live by faith, is quoted from the Old Testament. It's one of only two places that faith is mentioned in the Old Testament, actually. But here he quotes it in this. But I want you to notice this. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm not ashamed that it's powerful, and it's powerful enough to move. The word power here is where we get our English word dynamite. It shows us how powerful the gospel really is. How it can move and motivate people to render obedience to it. He said it's God's power to salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, what's the it there? The gospel of Jesus Christ. The righteousness of God is revealed. How God would make man righteous is revealed to us in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's revealed to us that from faith we'll be made righteous. And it induces us to have faith. From faith to faith. I'm made righteous by my faith when I obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that induces me or leads me to have the kind of faith so that I can be saved by the grace of God. The just shall live, I'll live by faith. So now who am I harming when I refuse that invitation? It's to obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. Myself. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved. It is the power of God. You know, to some people it's still foolishness then. But not to those who want to be saved. Not to those who want to be forgiven and reconciled to God. We understand that it's God's power to save so that you and I can be redeemed. Obviously, the gospel has to be obeyed. In 2 Thessalonians 1, verses 7 and 8, Paul says, And to give you who are troubled. Now, who were the ones that were troubled? Well, the ones that were troubled were the Christians that were being persecuted. That's, that's who the ones that were troubled. Said, rest with us. Now, this is encouraging to those who are persecuted, obviously. <clears throat> it's encouraging to know that God will take care of us. And God will... Take vengeance on those that trouble us. He said, rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. In flaming fire taking vengeance on those. Now notice this. On those who do not know God. And on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Those who don't know God and those who don't obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, there are some commentaries as you read them that he, that they indicate that he's talking about Jew and Gentile here and that he makes a distinction between them. I don't really think that's, that's what he's saying here. He's simply talking about those who do not know God. They choose not to know God. They could know God. We see that in Romans 1. And then you have some, obviously, that know they should do what is required of them in the gospel of Jesus Christ, and yet they will not obey the gospel of of our Lord and Savior. So regardless of which category one might be in, if the gospel is refused, then the only person that you're harming is yourself, and you'll lose your soul. That's the person you're really hurting. Do you think sometimes children refuse to do what's right, thinking that they're doing harm to maybe mom and dad? Well, I'm going to tell you, the only person that you're harming is yourself. That may cause mom and dad a lot of grief. But in the end, the person you're hurting is yourself. Do yourself no harm. And though he was a son, yet learned the obedience by the things which he suffered and having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Now this word, author, could easily be translated source of. He's the source of eternal salvation. But who is he the source of eternal salvation to? Those that obey. Those that do what he tells them to do. That's who he's the source of eternal salvation to. So the gospel has to be obeyed. Those who refuse. It's kind of like being bitten by a rattlesnake and yet refusing to take the anti-ventum that's Need it to neutralize the poison. Let me ask you this. If you got bit by a rattlesnake, would you take the antivenom? Or not? Now let me let me illustrate this a little closer to home with myself. I About a year ago, I was sick. I had COVID. Wound up in Mary Regional. When I first get there, they tell me, said, we've got this drug that's, been known to work and help COVID patients, would you be willing to take it? You have to sign to take it. Now, I could have said, no, I don't, I don't think I want that. And I most likely would have died. But I'm going to tell you what I did. I signed my name as best I could, and I took it. It's either take it or die. What would you do? I know what I did. But you know, that's not nearly as serious as refusing to obey the gospel. I may have lost my physical life. But you know, whether I refused that or not, it didn't affect my soul. But you see, this affects the salvation of my soul. Or here's a stroke victim who refuses medical treatment needed to reverse the effects of the stroke that they've just taken. My understanding, if they catch that relatively soon, that they could pretty well have great success in reversing the effects of a stroke. But if they don't catch it and the person doesn't take the medicine, then the effects can be devastating. The gospel of Jesus Christ is a cure. Yet how many refuse the offer of help to save their soul? So then, do yourself no harm. Obey the gospel. It's your soul that's at stake, not somebody else's. But let me suggest another one to you. What about those who pretend to be righteous and holy or... Those who pretend to be Christians, and yet they're not. you know who they're harming? You know, you may put on a good front inside these four walls here. But what are you when you leave these four walls? What are you when you're out in the world? What are you at work? School? What do you show yourself to be then? You know, the Bible says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses... And for pretense, pretense, make long prayers. Therefore, you will receive greater condemnation. The most scathing rebuke that's given in the entire Bible is in Matthew 23. And it's Jesus identifying or addressing the religious leaders and people of that day and time. Scribes and Pharisees. You know, if I'm just pretending to be a child of God, the person that I'm hurting is myself. In Matthew 23, verse 23, said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe and men of of anus and cuming, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the other undone. I want people to know how I pay tithes of even the smallest of things. But then my life is lived, and it's not lived in, that's filled with justice and mercy and faith. Now, who am, I, who am I harming? Well, I'm harming myself if that's the way I'm living and leading my life. You know, others were lukewarm. He said, I know your works, that you are neither cold or hot. I could wish that you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. What a repulsive sight of the Lord vomiting someone out of his mouth. A sign or a symbol of rejection. Something that's repulsive to him. you ever thought about it? He said, I could wish you were cold or hot. You ever thought about why he said that? Wish he was one way or the other. Instead of just lukewarm. Do do you know the people that it's hardest to get them to see their condition and state? And to get them to comply with God's law? It's not the person that's cold. You know, he recognizes his lost condition. It's the person that's lukewarm. That's, that's the person that you have the hardest time convincing their need to be. Oh, oh, I attend sometimes. Uh, Oh, you know, I get, you know, I visit the sick on occasion. They may do any number of things like that. But they're really not faithful to the Lord. In Haggai 1 in verses 9, he said, You look for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, says the Lord of hosts? He said, Because of my house that it is in ruins, while every one of you runs to his own house. You know, that identifies, I'm afraid, a lot of Christians. You know, I, I'm more concerned about me. Look at my house. I'm concerned about my house. I'm not concerned about the Lord. I'm not concerned about the Lord's Word. I'm not concerned about doing anything in services of God. You know, I want to do things that please me. Is that the kind of life I'm living? Well, let me tell you, if that's the kind of life you're living, then the person that you're harming is yourself. That's the person you're harming. Contrast lukewarmness with steadfastness. In Romans 12, verses 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. We noticed that just a little bit ago. Holding acceptable to God, which is your reasonable or spiritual service. You know, I'm using my body in services to God. I'm willing to sacrifice my body in services to Him. I'm willing to sacrifice my time, my money, my talents, anything that I have to serve my God. He comes first. It's not about me. Paul said, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. My life now is lived in services to Him. That's how I have to live my life. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Don't you find it interesting that he says this in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 58? This is obviously the resurrection chapter. But go back to the first chapter. All the way through to the 15th chapter. And notice all the problems that they had. It's just one thing right after the other. You know what Paul was writing? He was writing so they could correct those problems. And then be steadfast in serving the Lord. So there's that contrast. Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Have zeal in serving God. Boiling up, boiling over. So now are we lukewarm or steadfast? Lukewarmness deprives of true joy. Acts 20 verses 24 Paul tells the elders at Ephesus, he said, but none of these things moved me. That was the tears that he had been brought to and the problems that he was facing at the result of the hands of the Jews. He said, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. So that I may finish my race with joy. if I'm just pretending to be a Christian, if I'm lukewarm and indifferent, then I'm going to tell you I'm not going to finish my race with joy. My race on earth will end, but I'm going to tell you it's not going to be with joy. Because the person that I'm hurting and harming is myself. Do yourself no harm. Faithfully serve God. Let me suggest one other to you, and the lesson will be yours. What about those that don't prepare and, and those that are not prepared when life on earth is over? Really, who am I hurting? Who am I harming? You know, life on earth is brief, isn't it? Extremely brief. You know, the older I get, and as I look back on my life, I realize how really how short it's been. He said, come now you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. Life is like a vapor. I'm the older generation in my family now. I only have two aunts living. have some cousins. Grandparents are gone. Been gone for a long time. Mom and dad are gone. Got a younger brother. Dead and gone. I have two sisters. And myself and two aunts. Other than cousins. And they're all gone. How quickly that happened, it seems like. You may be there sitting in the audience and you may be thinking right now, well, I'm, I'm pretty young. And I've got a long life ahead of me. How sure are you of that? There was a little 18-year-old girl who died in Lewisburg just this past week, 18 years old. Sure you have a long life? No. You know, really that tells me that I need to make sure that I am ready to leave this world at any time because that can happen at any moment, regardless of who we are. So I need to make sure that I am prepared for eternity because life is so brief. There's really only two destinations. He said, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. Where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. That's what the Lord said. Who talked about hell more than anybody else? Well, that would be the Lord, wouldn't it? Now, I understand if you're reading the King James translation that the King James does not make a distinction between Hades and hellfire, but the new King James does. But really the major difference, I think, between Hades and hellfire is that Hades is temporary. And it will actually be cast into the lake of fire according to the Revelation letter. So it's the temporary abode of those who die. There's the upper part, which would be Abraham's bosom or paradise, and the lower part, where they were already in torments there, in Luke 16. And there's that great guff that separated between the two, if I remember correctly. Paul Smithson, when I came here, preached a lesson on that here. In y'all's last gospel, which was a really good lesson. But there's only two destinations. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, or crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Heaven or hell. Interesting thing about that is, is it your choice. You choose which one you want to spend eternity in by your obedience to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Imagine a few years here, maybe of suffering, maybe enduring persecution, having to deal with problems of life, but being faithful to the Lord in view of maybe enjoying the pleasures of sin, And then spend eternity in hell. Luke 16 verses 23 through 25. In torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things and likewise Lazarus' things, but now he is comforted and you are tormented. I want to do this. Quickly, if I can, I don't want to keep you too long. Let's let's suppose that I've got a rope in my hand. I had one at the house, and I could have brought it. I suppose, but you, you can see this visually. Let, let's say that I've got a rope in my hand, and a, about this much of the rope is wrapped in tape, and it's solid. It's black tape where you can hold it, and then the other part of this rope goes here. It goes all the way back through here. Goes back to here. Comes back up here. Comes back down. Goes back here. Through there. Back down, back through there, back and goes out the door. All right, let's say this little take part here represents life on earth. Do you know what part of that rope I'm concerned about with? I'm concerned about this little part right here. That's life here. But this is eternity. Eternity. And it seems like I'm not nearly as concerned about that as I am this little section of the road. What I need to be concerned about is with all parts of that road of living and preparing for eternity. And not just this little section. sad is that too many people are just concerned with that little section. In that little section, I have an opportunity to obey the gospel, to be saved by the grace of God. Will you do that this morning? You believe that Jesus is the Christ, don't you? I don't think you'd be here if you didn't believe that. Unless the only reason that you came is for somebody else. But if you believe that He is the Christ, the Son of God, and repent of your sins, confess your faith that, yes, I believe that He's Lord, then we'll be glad to baptize you in water for the remission of your sins, and you can be saved, add it to the body of saved people, arise a new creature to walk in newness of life. If I have done that and not live faithfully, if I repent of those things that I have been guilty of, willing to confess them to God and ask for forgiveness, He'll forgive you and cleanse you. So if you're here this morning... And you're subject to the invitation of the Lord in any way. Make your way to the front. Let your wishes be made known as we stand together to sing this hymn. Won't you come, please?